great to be here and, and a great reading there. Um, so huge thank you for having me back uh, and I'm standing, uh, which is pretty cool. So thanks a lot for prayers last year, um, which meant a lot when I had a little bit of a road bike accident, uh, which Janice knows a little bit more about than, than most. But a huge thank you. And um, it's a real privilege to come and join you on your journey in your series of Paraclesis. Um, and the, the theme is, is this morning is journeying, which seems quite appropriate for me to come as a guest, even though I've only journeyed about two miles. Um, but at least we have journeyed to get here. And, and all of us, when we woke up this morning, made some sort of journey to, to get from, whether it be our flat or a house or whatever, to come into here, God's church, to meet with God and to enjoy fellowship with one another, I think, anyway. There's a few of you smiling at that. So, so you didn't get lost on the way in. This isn't Costas or the cinema or anything. This is uh, sort with Evangelical Congregational Church, just in case you need, and I got that right, Gary gave me a thumbs up, uh, but it's good to be here. Um, and uh, before I get going, just want to say big greetings from a lot of you now, we've got friends in God Central, it's been great doing a bit of co-labouring, so they say thank you, and I'm sure they say an even greater thank you for getting me out of there this morning, um, so that they can enjoy time with God without me wittering and getting in the way of things, um, but it is good. Um, Going back to our journeys, um, one of the things that, that I, I loved when, when Gary sent this through to me, I don't know, a couple of months ago now, he was very organised on this actually, and I noticed I got an invite for this morning, I didn't get one for the talent show last night, so I'm not reading too much into that, but I will be having a little chat over coffee later. Um, but uh, when he sent it through on journeying, I sat and looked at it, and um, it just reminded me afresh, and my first little notes were, you know, how many people have been connected in my 41 years of my life. Do you know what I mean? You know, from, uh, you know, relatives, uh, those I went to school with, uh, a lot of whom are coming back into reunions now. I'm getting to that age now where you get found for things. But just how many different people, uh, you know, you've rubbed shoulders with. And for those of us who are Jesus followers, Christians, you know, we believe our steps are ordained by God, don't we? So therefore God has used those people to shape us. You know, whether they know him or not, it doesn't matter. He is sovereign and so using everything for the outworking of his good and building us to be more like him. That's how it works. Um, and so if you look around this room, uh, these are the people God has put you on journey with. <laughs> you may want to have a chat with him about that over lunch, but that's down to you and God. But this is your family, do you know what I mean? You know, and then we're part of a wider family. You've got your neighbours, your work colleagues, you know, the, the, the people you meet at the school gate, you know, the people who you regularly go into the shop with, they're all part of our, of our journey because we know a little bit about one another or, we, or can we have that tiny impact, whether that be just one second, you know, just saying please or thank you or smiling or whether it is investing in hours of conversation, you know, across an intimate dinner table or holidays or whatever, isn't it? We have different levels of journeying. Um, but if we come back uh, I was trying to think, my, my late nan was a, a fabulous gardener, none of it has rubbed off on me, um, but she used to love it, and she used to talk about how things cross-pollinated in the garden, she was massive on different varieties, particularly of fruit trees, I mean, I, it's an apple tree, you know, you eat it, but apparently there's lots of varieties, and I think that there's, there's, there's something of God in that, that we kind of cross-pollinate, we help one another grow, that where one is weak, another is strong, 
You know what I mean? You know, where my failings are, I'm so blessed that Claire is very strong in those areas. You know, and so therefore, as a couple, we can do more together than we can apart. And I think that echoes out throughout the church, that actually we're more strength together than any of us would be individually. You know, and looking at the talent show last night, that's good, because you can be more together and do greater talent shows for, for, for the glory of God in Sawbridgeworth if that's where he leads you. And I'll leave that down to Gary and the leadership to weigh. <laughs> but, but there is that kind of doing things there. So, uh, where does this link in, in terms of travelling through life? Well, uh, the passage Janice read, along with others, tells us a lot about Jesus. Because the gospel accounts often record Jesus coming and going from places, don't they? You know, you don't have to read a lot. You know, I can remember back to Sunday school. You know, one of my famous uh, little bits I loved at Sunday school was Zacchaeus, the little man up the tree. Uh, just a hands up. Who likes the Zacchaeus story? Yeah, loads of us. See, we're, we're good. Yeah, Jesus just journeyed with him, didn't he? He was wandering past, saw him up the tree, come to my house for tea. I can even remember the little line now from, from Sunday school, all those years have gone by. You know, uh, another famous story of mine that I love is that the woman at the well who'd had five husbands, which is more than you should have had, but, but, but Jesus... Jesus meets her, doesn't he, in a journey and, and engages in her life and comes on. Uh, you've got Nicodemus, who was the religious, you know, dude in the middle of the Sanhedrin, you know, who again, you know, Jesus just journeyed with him and brought him alongside because Jesus was able to journey alongside people from massively different walks of life. You know, just in those three people, you've got, you know, the, the, the money obsessed, <laughs> the, the religion obsessed, and you've got the lifestyle obsessed. And yet Jesus pulled into all three of them with ease and journeyed with them. The key verse, I believe, for this series, and I haven't been here throughout all of it, but I'm believing it's rooted in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4. And uh, the version that that, uh, was on the notes Gary gave me came from the Message Bible. And uh, I love it, actually. So I just want to read it in context and then just talk to us a little bit about how God comes alongside us. So I'm trying to just open this. Yes, without dropping everything. No, he's managed it. Okay, so 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read verses 1 uh, through to five, uh, 3, sorry, through to 5. Okay, it just comes, the message, if, you, if you're familiar, it comes in chunks, doesn't it? So, it's, so this is 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, but from the message. It says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah. Always a good strong. Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. And I just love the way Eugene Peterson phrases things at times. Do you know what I mean? That, that, you know, that, that he just seems to have you know, just a, such a way with words of understanding that, you know, how we go through things, but God comes through them. And, uh, and many of you would probably agree with that, that God comes alongside you in hard times. And when he does, there's something deposited in us that we don't forget easily. You know, you know, they talk about the, you know life being the school of hard knocks. Well, in many ways, it is. You know that that, that in your journey, your valley, your dark time, uh, will stick with you. But it's often something you can really talk about and bring significance to help someone else. 
You know, um, in church, you know, we have a lot of teaching on different things. And I think one of the things that we don't have a lot of teaching on sometimes is just the power of our story. Because it's God given to you. Do you know what I mean? You know, and uh, if you look at your journey, um, it's, it's unique. And yet it's going to be easily translated to another person because they're a person. <laughs> and one person could easily read another person's story. We love, just our interest, how many of you have ever read a biography, whether in, in, in the journals, in the newspapers or anything? Just hands up. How many? Yeah, loads of us. Why? <laughs> you think, you know, I've got my own life. Why am I reading about someone else? But we do. We have this intrigue to get into other people's stories. And uh, whatever we've faced in our life, you know, the tough bits, whether it be ill health, whether it be bereavement, whether it be redundancy, whether it be breakdown of significant relationships, whatever else, they can be turned around by, by the good news of Jesus and used to help others. You know, Claire and I, you know, we've loved and soaked up counsel from other people uh, before we got married and since. Do you mean, you know, know, we just loved sitting down and talking with people who had sort of 20, 30, 40, 50 years marriage and saying, come on, talk to us. And and I remember that, you know, one couple sitting there and just beaming each other in chairs. And I was like, do you know what? I'd like to be like that. Do you know what I mean? You know, I'm not sure we are. And Claire's not here, so you have to prove her next time she's here. But, But, you know, there was wisdom to be gained. From their story, you know, when we when we were fortunate enough to have our first daughter, that was another milestone for us. And it was like, okay, we need to understand a bit about parenting. So you go and look up people who have been there and, and done it. And it's not to say they've got the t-shirt and they're perfect, but there's a wisdom that you can pass on, isn't there? And you'd be silly not to. Do you know what I mean? You know, no, no one's going to think, I'll oh, just reinvent this. <laughs> you know, there's never been anyone who's been a parent before. I'm just going to do this from scratch. <laughs> you know, we don't. And yet, sometimes when it comes to the faith, what you're going to hear me get at is sometimes we do a bit of that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, parenting, I remember as a key one for us parenting was uh, the school decision. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, all of a sudden it dawned on us that we had to send our eldest daughter to school. And we were, we were all over the place. Do you know what I mean? About which school. And I remember there's a couple in our life group just came round and we were just talking about it on a Thursday night and they were just like you know they just gave us peace basically they were just like don't mess around with the system God's in control uh, and and uh, you know we started an evening where if I've been honest across the dinner table it hadn't been completely harmonious <laughs> and we went to bed with that peace that comes from God which you can't really describe do you know what I mean it's just there in you um, I think back to last year with my with, when I broke my leg so many God instances do you know what I mean? And conversations and people, you know, and, and talking to people since who have faced surgery or are facing surgery, you suddenly realise that, that, yeah, you know, our bodies are frail and actually, we, you know, there's a lot of stories, a lot of journeying to be talking through with people. You know, I'll be, I'm eternally grateful for God. You know, I've got a friend, Andrew, back in God Central. Um, and Andrew uh, has had a, had a really bad accident when he was a teenager, almost lost the use of his right, almost had his right arm amputated. And suff- subsequently to that, he's had a stroke as well. So he's had way worse health than I would really wish or pray for him. But I remember him coming around and sitting on my sofa and just talking to me real blunt stuff about the suffering and healing of your body and the dark moments of operations and what it could mean. And do you know what? I'm so grateful to God for him because his suffering was able to give me a real fresh perspective. And it wasn't just a there, there, it'll be all right, have a grape. It was, I went through this, you know, it hurt, you're going to have this dark moment, you have that. And, and, and do you know what? You know, 
eternally I'll be grateful for God causing our paths to cross. So I think, you know, we never discount hard times, you know. Um, and it, apparently in Greek, the word hard times that's used in that Second Corinthians passage just means a, a pressing, a squeezing or a pressure that comes for a purpose. And uh, if we go back to the word paraclesis uh, for this morning, uh, the fascinating bit of the word they're going to draw on is the word consolation. Okay, so paraclesis can mean consolation. And consolation, I checked it in the dictionary because I wanted to make sure I got this right for you guys. I didn't go to Google, I went to a proper dictionary as well for the record. Um, Was bringing calm and peace, easing and soothing hurt, finding rest and giving hope. Pretty cool. I like the word consolation now, and I'm a maths teacher. Uh, the opposite of consolation, obviously, is disconsolation, which is basically old-fashioned for being depressed, has to do with loss, grief, disappointment, hopelessness. And uh, if we go back to the passage that Janice read in Luke 24, the road to Emmaus, Jesus joins the journey of two people who are pretty uh, much in disconsolation. They're depressed, they're a little bit upset, they don't know what's gone on, hope's just evaporated. And as we pick up the story, it's a typical Jesus story in that it says at the beginning, you know, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. What day? The same day? Well, it's resurrection day. Do you know what I mean? You know, you know it's, it's the same day that Jesus has just been raised to life. And you've got these disillusioned guys going along. Okay, and I think it's important, therefore, that we realise that one of the first acts of our, of our risen Lord Jesus Christ is to come alongside disappointed, disaffected Christians. You know, to come and reassure us, to put hope into us that He didn't discount them. You know, He could have come alongside and said, "Well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm risen. Look at me. You've lost hope. You're no good." But no, that's never the heart of Jesus. Jesus is always in the business of second chances, uh, of getting behind the story. And so he comes alongside them. And uh, what does he do to connect? Well, he basically just walks. Do you mean he comes alongside? You know, and what he's saying to them is, just, just talk about your story. You know, he doesn't butt in, he doesn't take sense. It's what are you guys talking about? I've learned in life there's often a reason or a story behind the story. That if someone comes at you with something, it's generally because they've got something in them, yeah? And Jesus does brilliantly because what it says in verses 14 and 15, they talked together of all these things which had happened. They conversed and reasoned. In other words, he let these two disciples talk about the hope that they'd had possibly the years of oppression under the Romans and before that, how they'd built themselves that this man Jesus would be their saviour and deliverer, that their dream, their hope had just evaporated as far as they had seen because there had been an empty tomb reported this, that more earlier morning and a body gone, that they were in confusion and struggling. And I think when that happens, we play things over and over in our minds you know, we have restless nights, you, you sit at the table, you know, you watch television and you're not really taking it in because your mind's just thinking things over. And in those moments, it's, it's really good to talk. And quite often we're open to talk. And, and so Jesus draws himself near to these two disciples when, it, when they're in that place. And, uh, you know, it tells us it, that, that roughly the journey was about a seven-mile walk. So that's not that far. 
Do you mean it's like from here to I don't know, like the M11 junction up at Hastingwood? You know, it's it's you know maybe three, four hours. It's not the longest, but it's certainly a good chunk of time to be walking and talking, getting to know people. And as I said earlier, you know, Jesus doesn't steam in; he just gently comes into a conversation. You know, I think when I was a lot younger, I, I didn't really have a lot of conversational skills. I just used to turn up and start talking about me or start trying to fix things. You know, my wife says that I've, I've got better at that, but I'm still bad at it. That I, I just want to fix it. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to listen to everything or get into the detail. I just want to, look, there's an obvious, yeah, but it's not, is it? It's about hearing people's hearts, about journeying and explaining with them, not just going for quick fixes, because actually it's a, it's a journey. And people have to evolve and find things at their pace. And, and we're each uniquely wired by God. So what seems logical to me probably doesn't to someone else. And someone else is saying, Ben, what are you doing? But if they just tell me, I just need to be walked through it step by step. And that's the beauty of what Jesus does. He builds rapport. You know, verses 15 to 16 say, you know, Jesus went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they didn't see him. You know, they were in deep conversation. And Jesus, you know, he could have just been walking alongside and think how much tempting. I mean, I'm going off tax bit here, but think how tempting it must be to just say, It's me. <laughs> or oh, I'm here. Look, have a look. You know, you know, why are you doing this? But he doesn't, does he? Because that that isn't the journey. He just patiently walks alongside with them and and instead ends up asking an open-ended question. Which, if you think this is Jesus asking, he says to them, you know, what conversation is this you're having with one another? Why are you walking and why are you sad? Well, he knows the answer. <laughs> yeah, and yet, he's human. It's not a closed question. You know, what things? What things have happened? Well, you know, he's just giving them an opportunity to talk their heart through. Jesus is listening. And when we come alongside others... I think we need to learn from that to be warm, welcoming, att- attentive, uh, not on mobile phones, not on social media, not, not, not daydreaming or waiting for things to have, but actually giving people attention because it matters, doesn't it? You know, it matters to me when I'm with someone. I know it just is just some a different, uh, yeah, just a different persona, different way of doing things. So. Probably by the time Jesus asked that, they're halfway through the journey or something. And then they clearly want to unburden their hearts. They want to tell him um, what's going on. And so Jesus starts to unpack to them about a bigger story. You know, by the time he's got their friendship, he's now going to unpack to them from the prophets, from the Old Testament, from the Pentateuch, the beginning of the Bible. He's going to start to, to bring some perspective on things because in every story, there's a bigger story. And the bigger story is always the story of God. <laughs> you know, that, that you and I, uh, we come and go. You know, the Bible's quite clear. We're made from dust, we go to dust. Well, we live on this earth, we get to shine for Jesus to build his kingdom, and then we get to go to be with him, as we saw this morning. You know, you know oh, what a glorious day that'll be. But, but the story of God continues. The story of God will never end, and his praise will never end. And so by uh, Jesus coming alongside, he's now got into the bigger story. And uh, there's a word uh, called carefronting. And carefronting apparently is a term for showing care and concern for an individual, not just challenging the issue. And and I like that. You know, that that what he's trying to do is he's going to come alongside and show them compassion. And in so doing, he's going to earn the right to speak. 
He's not going to come alongside and do anything else. He's going to earn the time and the right to speak. And when he speaks, he's going to speak about things that matter. And when we feel understood as people, we listen. So those two disciples would have been listening to Jesus because he'd kind of earned the right to do so. Not that the Son of God ever has to earn anything, if you hear what I'm saying, you know, but little earned, he'd earned the right. Jesus then helped them face reality. You know, you know a lot of us, uh, we don't like reality sometimes because <laughs> it doesn't look good, but we have to face it. You know, and Jesus isn't going to say there, there, or give him a. No, this is the situation you are in, but I'm with you in it, is basically his message. You know, and when he starts off by saying, oh, foolish ones, or slow of heart, or, or the other things, he's not actually condemning them. What he's basically saying is, you have a lack of understanding. And uh, many of us have a lack of understanding. My hand would be up on that. I'm not going to embarrass you by doing that. But we have a lack of understanding. And what we need to know is that Jesus always wants to give us that understanding. That when he's walking and talking about the prophets and the law, he's, he's, he's doing it to edify them, to build them, to be the beautiful disciples that he'd seen on the cross when he died three days earlier. That he's always in the business of doing good and equipping us for the future works we can do for his kingdom. You know, so he starts off with a familiar point to them, something they know about. Do you know what I mean? You know, for me, when I was lying uh, last year in hospital, I remember a lot of hymns because my, my late nan, who I mentioned earlier, she used to play the church organ. And uh, I, I, re- I remember, that was my, that's my foundation point, is, is the, the Baptist hymn book. <laughs> you know? And do you know what? It's, it, it served me well. But God used it to come back to with key verses and key lines. And I can imagine for these guys, you know, they're trained in the Old Testament. It's like, hang on, I remember that. You know, and it's a, it's a launch pad, isn't there, where there's a connectivity with people. And, uh, and we go there. Uh, Jesus then focused on perspective and hope. He wasn't going to talk about anything else, was he? He's going to bring perspective to it. So, so these things were written... He knows he's going to put what's just happened in context of the old, so actually it now has a fresh purpose and a hope. Actually, there was always going to be an empty tomb. I was always going to die. Obviously, he couldn't use the word I, because that would have given the game away when he was explaining it. But, But he's going to bring perspective. And when things change, all of a sudden we have a different outlook, don't we? You know, how many of us uh, as, as, as Christians, or I'll say as humans even, you know, that our mood and our perspective can be changed just by one letter, by one phone call, by one text. One thing just changes the whole course of our day. Do you know what I mean? You know, uh, one of the things I love about Chamber Gary is, like me, he wears his, hat, his heart on his sleeve. And we're, we, we're so up and down. <laughs> you know, you know I, I get one good text and it's like, the world's great. You know, my family's great. We're going to do everything. And then the next one comes and I'm like, oh, I want to go home. I just want to go into bed and just forget it. You know, but that's us as humans, isn't it? You know, and I think, you know, getting a heavenly, God-given perspective just sets us on a course of, for life, for his glory. You know, that actually, whatever happens, you are loved by Almighty God. Nothing can take that away from you. You know, whether you wake up, whether you're wanting to wake up and get excited for the day, God is waiting over you <laughs> to rejoice that you are his. You know, that's what the Bible tells us, you know, you know, that on our worst day, God is still for us. You know, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. doesn't matter when you were made, I'm not asking for a, a date, but you were made at exactly the right time for the stuff that God wants to do through you for his glory. 
You know, there are no mistakes by Almighty God. You know, you know, for those of us who were born, uh, you know, and maybe our parents have said things. No, but in God's plan, you are perfectly made at the right time because he does not have it in him to make mistakes. You know, and you are made exactly how he wanted for the stuff that he's got in line. You may look different to the person next to you. You might be pleased or not about that. But the point is, you are perfectly made for the, the lane that God will have you run in. You know, that some of us can play music. Some of us can't. Some of us can talk, some of us can't. Some of us can do gardening, some of us can't. Some of us love tapestry, some of us don't know what it is. Do you know what I mean? You know, some of us love DIY, some of us just love paying someone to do it. <laughs> you know? But you are made uniquely and perfectly for the stuff that God wants you to do. And the way that you are wired is part of your story. And God knows your story because God is writing your story for his glory. And so, you know, the disciples hear about a bigger picture, just as we've just gone, that it goes so quickly from, from small to large in the kingdom of God, because God will break through. And I think it's important for us just to pause before I, I come into close, that in the story, Jesus wasn't giving an Old Testament history lesson. Do you know what I mean? You know, it wasn't like, right, well, sit down and I'll just talk you through these five books because I know a little bit more than you. <laughs> you know, it wasn't dry. You know, he talks, whatever he did caused life to happen, caused hope to be imparted. You know, it isn't like, you know, and I've been in lectures, I studied economics and public affairs, and I could tell you, I couldn't tell you much about some of those lectures. <laughs> I really couldn't. And there's some of them, it did take a lot of effort to get out of bed, and some of them I'll admit I failed on. <laughs> you know, but this isn't that. You know, when we come face to face with Jesus, it's, it's head, but it's heart. It catches you into the purposes of why we actually breathe. You know, because we, the Bible says we're created for, for his glory. And when we come in line with that, there's something that comes alive in us that causes us to come alongside him. And the whole thing just resonates. You know, and our hearts come alive. We get a hope. We get a destiny. We get a purpose that we never had. And that's what's happening on this journey. You know, that Jesus ministered to their need. He's met them. You know, you, you're despondent. You're dejected. He's met them in that but he's left them alive and commissioned afresh. You know, in seven miles. You know, I'm not promising that I can do that. I'm not going for a walk after here either. But, you know, but if we think, you know, you know what the power of, of the cross, the power of our God can change dead to life in a split second. That, that wherever we're at, our God can break in and transform in the blinking of an eye. And so on a, walk, on a road to Emmaus, that, that, that's, that sowed these guys for life. It sowed these guys for life. And it had, they haven't gone to a lecture room. They haven't been berated. They've just met a guy they're travelling with who's been prepared to hear them, to impart his heart to them, to graciously come alongside and talk, being a caring friend, a supportive companion. And now their eyes are opened. And uh, I love the bit at the end where it says, you know, Jesus takes the bread to break it. 
And then realization comes. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd love to have, I don't, you know, I look back in the church history and I love the stained glass windows. And I'm waiting for a stained glass window of that scene. Do you know how you can capture that? Of, you know, just the penny dropping. Do you know what I mean? Just a, a glorious moment there. You know, of, of just, I don't know, I just love it. Do you know what I mean? That, wow, actually, now we get it. Do you know what I mean? You know, did our hearts not burn? Well, of course they did. That was Jesus. Do you know what I mean? You know, we've just walked with him for three to four hours. What an amazing privilege. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and then it says, you know, so they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Do you know what I mean? I think Eugene Peterson could do a bit better than that. You know, I think it would be the chairs got knocked over and they ran. You know, the journey that probably was, you know, you know what it's like. I've got daughters, you know, go for a walk. You know, and they don't want to go there. And then you mention there's a, co- there's a cafe and one of mine's like, like a whip it, you know, andre, andre, you know, I'm off. That's like them. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the walk they started so slowly and drudgingly and was just going to be a hard day. Do you know what I mean? It's just one of those days where I'm just going to grind it out and walk from here to here. They get there, and I'll tell you, the old Garmin or Strava or whatever you use, those of you who are into your actions, the pace would have been higher going back, I'm telling you. Because not only is their heart changed, but they're commissioned by Jesus as well. Because they now realize that they've got something to tell and pass on. That actually, all their mates who they left, who were still doom and gloom, they now, they've now got something, a hope and a destiny to bring back to them. And so they're going to run and take them back. And I'd suggest for you and I in this room that we need to do a bit more like that. Because I think far too often, I think I've got nothing to say. And quite often my wife tells me I've got nothing to say. So I've learned in certain situations that is true. But quite often, we're quiet about Jesus when we needn't be. Because we can come alongside people, we can talk to them time and time again. And we don't need to berate, we don't need to talk open, but we just need to be open and meet people where they're at, as Jesus did in this wonderful story. Of just elude, just talk bits of life. You know, God's given me an amazing opportunity this last year, because virtually everyone who knows me knows I went through a massive accident on my leg. And every time I get asked about it, I can just say, yeah, I'm described as miraculous. Yeah, you know, you know it just leads into that, that question. And for someone who never really had a story, God's given me that through hard times. So I can really resonate with this. And do I wish that I didn't? Get... No, do you know what? It is well with my soul because my God still loves me and still for me. You know, and for you and I, we have little bits you know, I pray that none of you got broken legs the way I had, but you've all got just bits of life, you know, where you brought children up, where you walked through life, where, you know, the fence blew down in the wind. Do you know what I mean? You know, you can talk to your neighbour because you're probably going to have to go on his garden to get your fence back. Do you know what I mean? You know, or just little bits. And it's meeting people where they're at, you know, but trusting that God will use that for his glory. Because without relationship, it's really hard to come alongside people in a, in a life-changing way. And so, as I come to stop, I think not just Sundays. Yes, we want to get to know our, our God-given church families and our wider church families. But we also want to be looking to God to direct all of our relationships and to take time in them. Because that's the real costly bit, especially in, in our culture, isn't it? That, you know, we're time-pressed, you know, and... Uh, God's got a way through that and it may just be that we're not on social media 
that we're not walking with our phones all the time and, uh, or other things. But making time for people is what Jesus did. And the impact, just amazing for the kingdom. And so um, the challenge really at the end, I think the biggest challenge is that you have a story that is part of God's story. And already there'll be half of you or, or a percentage saying, no, I haven't. You have. Whatever you've walked through in life, God will use to bring alongside other people who need to hear that. Because that's, that's God. He's not going to do things that, are, that aren't beneficial for his kingdom. <laughs> so if, he, so if, if you're walking through something, he's going to use it. And so I think the number one challenge from this is that everyone has bits of their life, a story to talk to people about. And so the second part is, when are you going to talk about it? Because it's not just going to happen if you sit in your, in your front room and put on whatever the latest thing is. Broad church, I know, because that was on our recorded box by my wife. And I haven't watched it yet, so don't ruin it if anyone has watched it. I don't want any spoiler alerts. And I've got, I've got Tottenham Everton to get through first this afternoon, which could be another, could be another sorry season. But never mind. But, but you've got a story. Don't hide it away. You know, one of the things uh, spoken over us as a church when we moved to the playhouse was, you know, uh, the lamp on a hill. You know, you don't light it and hide it away. You know, God has not made you and I to be hidden away. He's not ashamed of us. He's so for us. And so if God is for us, then we should be able to just trust him at the school gate, at at the office coffee machine tomorrow, in the staff room, to guide the words that we have and to trust. It may take a year to have a significant conversation. It may take a second. But trust that God can work all things for his glory because he's God and we rest well knowing that he is God. You with me on that? Is it all right, Gary, just to pray for folk before I hand back over to the music group? Is that all right? Yeah? I just... um, I'm going to ask actually, I don't often do this, just to close eyes because I think one of the biggest challenges when I read this is believing you've got a story. Because I never did. If I'd done, I couldn't have done this message a year ago because I thought I was just had nothing, you know. And so I want to just, just give a moment while you think the bits in your life. And I just want this between you and God, but I think it helps that no one else is watching. And I just pray. Father God, would you release just a fresh awakening of stories of your goodness in this wonderful building this morning, Father God? Would you remind us that nothing is lost in your kingdom? Father, that you have, I pray that you'd reaffirm your love over your people here this morning, Father that you would fill us all with your Holy Spirit afresh, that you would ordain our steps afresh, Father God, so that thousands of people in Sawbridgeworth, in Harlow, in Hearts, in Essex, in the United Kingdom and around the world, get that heart burning that your two disciples on the road to Emmaus did, Father God. We trust that you are the God who was and is and is to come. And our belief in you changes everything. The cross, your resurrection, changes everything. And Father God, I pray that you would remind us of that afresh this morning and send us out in your plans, in your power, for your glory. 
We ask that in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Seriously, love being with you. I think you know that by now. Um, But we're going to go back to the music group to worship.